Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Oh, hello. Yes, it's Thursday. I, I, I know it was Thursday last week and we weren't here, but we're back this week. And uh, it's got off to a busy old week, to be honest, because um, I now have the time to back up and get loads of episodes recorded, which is what I've been doing. Um, sadly, without my partner in crime, producer Griff, um, because we've just, he's been busy doing something else, which is a real shame. But I did sit down in person. Um, I went around to somebody's house. I can't say who it is yet because we're just finalizing that episode and getting it all nice and clean and ready for you in a few weeks time. Um, but this week kicked off in a rather lovely way because I sat down with the wonderful Sean Evans. Now, um, I've known Sean for a few years. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen each other for a long time. Um, and he is quite a, a, a private man. Um, so for him to come on this podcast is uh, is a big deal for me. And plus, he's a really nice guy. And I just selfishly, I love spending some time with him. Um, and we talk about avenues of creativity and all sorts of stuff, photography, storytelling, um, a little bit about acting, a little bit about training. Um, but generally, you will get um, a sense of who Sean is and he's a lovely, lovely, thoughtful Man, look, you're going to know Sean. You've seen him recently on the BBC in Vigil. If you haven't caught up, it's on iPlayer. Also in that show is family friend of the podcast. I can say that, Martin Compston, uh, past guest and lovely, lovely fella, Connor Swindles. Um, and it's uh, that's produced by our good friends uh, at World Productions. Um, also, Sean is at the theatre in London at the National in a play called Manor, which runs until, I believe, New Year's Day. So if you're in London, you want to go to the theatre, he's there. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll just get down to it. I met up with Sean, sadly, over the computer. 
Um, but uh, it's a lovely conversation, and I'm so pleased to hear for it. Let's get down to it. This is the Two Shot Podcast with the wonderful Mr. Sean Evans. Enjoy. I'll see you at the end. It seems I'm recording, Sean Evans. How are you, my friend? I'm very good, mate. Very good. Lovely to see you, Pa. I haven't seen you in ages. I know. I wanted to uh, swing by and come and see you the other week after the press night of the play, but I had to dash off because I had to get back to Brighton where I was... um, Working with your friend and mine, the lovely Russell Lewis. Oh, were you on Grace? Yes, yes. Oh, fantastic, just, man. How's it been going? Just wrapped? Yeah, just wrapped for Christmas. It's been great again. Yeah, it's, okay. and I know you find this as well. There's such lovely intensity, but a lot of freedom in telling a story in that 90 minutes, which is what you've been doing for years with Endeavour. Yeah. Um, yeah. But before we get on to acting, Sean, which I want to talk yeah. about, obviously, <laughs> and... I do want to talk about directing, but I want to talk about photography. So oh, okay, cool, man. Yeah. When, when did your love of photography sort of rear its head? Um, oh, you know what? It's when I was about 15, I started working in a photography shop um, while I was still up north. Um, but I'd always been interested in it, really, to be honest with you, black and white specifically. Um, and so I've always taken pictures. And I have a little dark room where I developed them myself. And then what, what I love about it, it's sort of grown over the years because what I love about it is, I mean, you know what it's like if you're doing your work as an actor or if you're directing, you need so many, there's so many moving parts and you need so many permissions in order to do your work. Whereas with this, I can go and take some photographs, go back to the dark room, make prints and then either give them as gifts or hang them or share them with people, you know, and by the end of the week, you feel like you've done something, you've done some of your work, which doesn't depend upon anyone else, you know? So there's that aspect of it. But I mean, I suppose I've been thinking about it a lot lately because I've been working with this, um, collaborating with this German photographer. And I suppose in a way it's all connected to storytelling, you know, um, but to just wind it back a bit when I was 25 I was shooting a film in Australia with a friend of mine um, a director called Ringan Ledwidge who introduced me to a photographer called Nan Golden uh, which is all colour photography of 80s New York and that blew my mind really because she had a very famous thing called The Ballad of Sexual Dependency which is um, a slideshow of all of the people that she was associating with and it was sort of a diary of her life but she was she was able to make those sort of snapshots into works of art there's something about the whole thing which I just find incredibly appealing for me personally I think I tend towards black and white because I think you look more closely at black and white photography than you do at um colour photography but but again it's all it's all storytelling you know it's all storytelling I mean it, it is interesting you said mm-hmm. it because it is all storytelling it yeah. is because it's a bit like you know you know sometimes what we do if we're wherever we are in a big city or if we're in a strange city an alien city I always like to sit down like outside in a cafe or if I'm in Soho and you just watch and you you're constantly sort of picturing oh what's going on with that couple what's going on with that person we're constantly 
looking for these stories and telling these stories. And it's just, it is the same with photography because one of the, um, the first exhibitions that I went to when we were allowed to go, funnily enough, was in Liverpool and it was at the Tate. Oh, which is the Don McCullum. Yeah. I mean, it was... And I, I do adore his work, but I did... I had to leave towards the end because it just got a bit too much for me because his storytelling is so intense and you know yeah. it is black and white and it's and it's harrowing but the stories are all there you can just see them but once you drink in those in there's only so much you can take certainly with that photography you know so we, I mean what I thought was interesting about that was even I'm a big fan of Don McCullen because mm. he's seen so many extraordinary extraordinary things but even if you look at the um the post-war stuff of just the landscapes in Somerset, there's such a drama and like violence to them as well, in a way, isn't he? And I think that, that that's so interesting because as an artist, he's expressing something inside of him, right? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Even by taking photographs of the world outside, it's in a way sort of expressing something which is in him or his to his own creative individuality and how he sees the world which I find just endlessly fascinating, do you know what I mean, in terms oh. of images. And then if you take it back to sort of acting and directing and storytelling, you know, the things that we're attracted to, the stories that we want to keep telling um, or that we have a need to keep telling, I just think it's incredibly interesting, you know. But also you touched on it again back there that this was something that you have complete control over as photography. Yeah. Whereas, as we all know, we're at the behest of somebody else opening the door and going, yes, Sean, uh, I'd like you to come and do this, or I'd like to act in this, or I'd like to direct this. This is, you can get up, you can take your kit, and you've got a creative outlet. Is that tremendously important to you? Because you don't... Yeah, it's important. You don't strike me as a, a, an artist who just sort of sits around and waits for a job to come. You kind of get up and just... Life is the, short, man. Life is short, you know, and while we're... We have the energy and the vim to get shit done. You know, I think I want to make sure that I'm making the absolute most of it. You know, I'm just not the kind of person who's going to sit around in coffee shops bitching about not getting jobs. You know, I've never been that way. <laughs> I think I want to make sure that I'm really contributing, you know, like to A, to my own life, but also to hopefully to the wider world as well, you know, and, and not selling myself short. So that you've hit the nail on the head really because whilst it began as an interest, I realised, uh, photography I'm talking about, it, I realised that actually it could become, a, you know, an extension of your work and something about which you could take control. It's, it's interesting because I'm mentoring, I got asked by uh, the drama school that I went to to mentor this, um, one of the young actors who's in his third year, and I really thought about it, you know, I mean, what can you, what can you say? Some of them will work, some of them won't. Um, but I thought the best thing that I could say would be, at the heart of it, you're all artists, else you wouldn't be here. Now, that's the sort of trunk of it, but the branches I want, some of you will write, some of you will direct, some of you will act, those are the branches, but ultimately, if you see yourself as an artist, that's the gift that you have to give the world. Now, the world may not want you to act, you may not get agents, you may not get jobs, you may not get the jobs that you want, so you have to find a way for you to feel satisfied, creatively satisfied in the world that doesn't depend upon someone giving you the permission 
mm. to do your work. So I, and I sort of was thinking about that myself, you know, when I was in the first couple of years, getting really interesting jobs, and, but not getting the jobs perhaps that you wanted. And I'm thinking, this is going to make me really unhappy if this go, you know, if I, if I don't find a way of being able to negotiate this. That's think, just me. No, but I think it's really, really sound advice because, um, because, you know, everybody who trains or has um, uh, joy in this business, it might not be the right time. It's all, it is all about timing as well. And, and obviously we know it's about luck, but there, need, there needs to be, you know, one needs to have a creative out, output at some point. Yeah. And it can be incredibly frustrating, especially for the young graduates who have graduated over the past two years. I mean, oh, yeah. I, mean I mean, it's incredibly sad. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I've spoken to certain students sort of up here in Manchester and um, a lad that I've been mentoring from Central and he's just, you know, he's just found it incredibly hard sometimes to pick himself up. Yeah. But, you know, that's kind of what we have to do. Did you have times oh, so like that? Before you, before you go on, what about, what about you? Do you? I mean, how do you negotiate that yourself? Do you know that idea of being able of giving your power to someone else? Or I mean, it can be anything. It can be cooking. It can be woodwork. It can be. Do you know what I mean? Making quilts, whatever. Making a family, actually, whatever. You know. But but you personally, fella, how do you sort of negotiate that? Well, I um, started a podcast five years ago, Sean. So I, 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 um, I thought I, you know, you know what a huge part of what we do as as actors. And the most important, one of the most important thing is to listen, right? Mm-hmm. And I started to hear so many interviews, certainly with my peers who were given like between seven and sort of 12 minutes on, on, a, on a chat show or a radio show. And you've done these things yourself. It's like, you're just there to plug the job and you're hearing the same interviews again and again. And I thought a lot of the time, we don't want to do this because it's just the, it's the end of the job. That is like, I was just doing some press on Friday and I was going, Oh, well, this is the end of Dr. Who. Cause I'm doing my last sort of interview for it. Yeah. And that's the end of the job. But wouldn't it be more interesting to kind of not talk about that with actors and talk about their life and their struggles and their sort of journey and give them anything up to you know like when I spoke to Lenny James we did like three hours because we've just instead of it being an interview it's a conversation so I just thought I need to learn a new skill so your photography you know is my podcast and that I just thought well I can, I'm I'm not waiting for anybody to send me a script or, or ring me up I, was like, I can get up and I can speak to Sean Evans at 11 o'clock on a Monday morning and kickstart the week and I know it's going to be great and it'll be a great yeah. conversation so yeah, that's that's what I do. But yeah, but also you know, so I'm not, it, yeah, Papa, if I'm not doing this, you know, and I've got hours, then I'm in the kitchen. I want to cook. Yeah. I wanna oh, yeah, try you tried that when I was in Cardiff. You invited me round for dinner because you said you're a bit of a cook. Huh? <laughs> well, it's just because I enjoy it, and it's always <laughs> nice to feed people, you know, and get put a smile on the face. I think, or you know, hopefully, <laughs> and, yeah. and not and not food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> 
But Sean, talking about sort of, you know, that we find these creative outlets for us when we're not um, able to do what we want to do or it's not the right job and we've said no to something. Another thing that I think is really important that I sort of tell younger students, you know, you don't have to say yes to everything. Yeah, sometimes saying no is the only agency you have. Yeah, and what power it is. You may be worrying for a few days afterwards because whether you're doing a job for financial reasons or... Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, is okay. I mean, we've all got to put bread on the table, you know. Uh, we've all been there, and you have to yeah. do it, of course, because you're still searching. And a very good friend of mine, a wise person friend of mine, uh, you know, she, I remember turning something down once, and she said to me, and I was in my 20s, she went, yeah, but Craig, work breeds work. And, I, und- and, I, and I do understand that to a point, but you're right about the power of, the power of no. It's tremendously yeah. important. Well, I mean, it's all very interesting, isn't it? Because I think sometimes when I've really had my back against the wall as well in terms of finances or whatever, not that, I mean, I have a very simple life. It's not extravagant at all by any means, but, and I've taken jobs that I perhaps wouldn't have had I been a bit more flush. They've always led on to something like incredible. So oftentimes you have to, take yourself out of the equation. I mean, the, the whole point, I suppose, you never know, right? I mean, you never know what something is going to lead to. And it's such a weird one. It's such a mad, or, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Or who you're going to meet. You sure. know, I, I've done jobs before. I've gone, oh, I'm, just, I'm not 100% failing this. But it was like, I'm at the end of it, I've gone, I'm so pleased I've done this because yeah. I've met this person or I've met multiple people who yeah. I've learned something off. You know, because yeah. that's a great thing, isn't it? You know, sure. constantly learning. Sure, um, sure. So when was it, did you have a sort of hunger for this at school or was life sort of taking you down a different path? Um, <clears throat> um, okay, so um, when I was growing up, my mum was a barmaid and my dad was a taxi driver. So it was very working class um upbringing in Liverpool and then I had the amazing good fortune of going to um, uh, I passed the testament to this private school in Liverpool um, so I got a scholarship to go but there was no drama there Um, there was the occasional school play Um, but it was very academic so I was sort of thinking of going to university to do history and politics Um, at the same time I joined the Everyman Youth Theatre in Liverpool right, which was like a once a week group um, and I knew that I was into it, that I felt alive in a way. So it was a creative outlet, but it was also, uh, it's just spoke to me in a way. I thought this is really special, though I didn't know anyone who, was, who did anything sort of in the creative world. You know, it wasn't, I had no experience of that. And so I suppose I had no expectations of it as well. Um, so then when I was 18, um, when I was 18, I applied to universities and then I applied to drama schools as well because someone in the school helped me to apply. And then I just thought, yeah, I mean, it's a foregone conclusion. I'll just, I'll go to London and, and try as an actor. And in a way, it was an incredible thing that I knew no one who had, in my immediate circle, who had done that before because I just went with a completely clean slate. I didn't know what acting was or what the profession was like or... I just thought, oh, yeah, I'll just go and do that. You know, it was kind of, I, it was a decision that I took incredibly lightly, I suppose, you know. Um, thankfully, I didn't um, agonise over it. I was like, yeah, I'll just go and do that. 
Because why not? And what a great sense of freedom with going with no expectations. Total freedom. Yeah, total freedom. And when I went to drama school, there was a couple of lads in my year whose parents were actors. Um, and so they knew it. And I always thought, God, I feel so pleased that I don't have any expectations or cynicism towards this profession. Not that those lads did, but they'd had an experience of it. But as it, for me, it was completely fresh and incredibly exciting. And each day was new. And I, I felt, you know, surrounded by like-minded people and moving to London. The whole experience was just awesome. It really was. I mean, it, it, it is kind of terrifying when you're young and you meet those people who not to say that they um, uh, had sort of cynicism passed on to their, from their parents because they were actors, but they had knowledge. So they... They, they, they know how difficult it is. They know that there's no rhyme or reason to it and that there's, there will be periods of unemployment and that can bring its own baggage. Do you know what I mean? So I, whereas to, be, to come in completely as a clean slate and be devoid of that was a real, a real blessing, you know, to just see the work as, as the work. Were you ever taught at drama school how to navigate um, the darker days or the times when you're no, not? No, I mean, you're not really. You're not. That's why I thought it was important to say that to, the, to, you know, to this youngster when I was mentoring him because there will be that. And also, how to do your tax. Do you know what I mean? How to do, like, to live. Just, yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds wild, but, like, I had to learn the hard way, you know, and um, filling in the VAT and all that. Nonsense, yeah. do you know what I mean? Which is but, incredibly important. I'm budgeting the, all these things that you don't. I knew not enough, but then I suppose you know what that being said, your twenties are supposed to be about being hedonistic and being wild <laughs> and making all those mistakes. And so I'm kind of, I'm quite yeah. glad that that was the case. To be honest yeah, of course, but it's it's times like that, and I think I think now moving forward, um, you know, places of study certainly for the art should focus on dealing with darker times considering the the darkness that everybody's been through over the past sort of you know couple of years yeah. and how and how to deal with with you know any sort of mental health struggles and the fact that people should be able to talk about it especially with these you know certain not being patronizing but certain sort of young minds who are being molded and they're thrown all this knowledge that they're trying to mm. put in their metaphorical backpack to pull out yeah. at certain times over the years but maybe they will. Maybe they will. It's very difficult, isn't it? Because I think, I mean, I, I feel like there's been a shift since in the past, in the 20 years that I've been working, because I feel like when you, back then it was way more, there wasn't a conversation about um, mental health. And I'm, it's terrific that there is now. Um, whereas I feel like 20 years ago, it, it, it just demanded tenacity, you know, and I don't know, I, I can't, it's, I don't know, I haven't fully thought about this. No, I think you're right, you know. You know what I mean? Well, I do, because, you know, years and years ago, we are always told to, you know, dig deep, soldier on. And it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm not being lazy, but I'm just, it's like, it's just a bit of a struggle and I'm a bit lost and I don't know what to do. Well, yeah, exactly. yeah I'm going to jump in any bloody move. Yeah, you, difficult you, to soldier on. You know, fucking keep your head down and carry on. And yeah. be, certainly, you know, being from the north, yeah, I was just going to say, I wondered if that's a northern thing as well. But listen, tell me about your uh, tell me about your experience. Like, when what took you into being an actor? What was your upbringing like? How does is it similar to mine? Or well, I love you. I love the deflection. 
back to me, Sean. And usually I say, no, that's not about me. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and, I'm, and I've said this before. Well, I started um, at school, really. I was very lucky. Um, my deputy headmaster, who was uh, a, a not-so-secret um, theatre lover, um, wrote uh, a play. And he said, right, OK, if you start to knuckle down a bit more in class, then uh, I want you to come and do this play and come and do the lead in this play. It was a very funny, historic, time-travelling play. Way ahead of its time, Sean. It was very funny. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you start getting laughs at school from your peers yeah. and, it's, and it's addictive and you want to ride it and you want to learn. So I just wanted to learn more, I suppose, yeah. um, and not be... Uh, suppressed by the school system, even though I had an outlet of drama. And it was just sort of, uh, you know, a conveyor belt there. I started to work out, well, who did I look up to? Well, John Sim was always on my telly and I knew that he was from Lancashire. And David yeah. Thewlis had been working with Mike Lee and he was from Lancashire. And they all went to this amazing um, place that sadly no longer at the, the campus that it was called Blackburn File College. So you go there after school mm -hmm. and then that's your sort of a bit of a foundation course before you go if you go which you did at that time go straight you wanted to go straight to london drama school so that was kind of my route yeah. nowadays obviously with street casting it's all time i didn't even know what street casting was you know 20 years ago yeah. it was like now they're plucking incredible talent like you know thomas turgoose and a lot of that nottingham scene um, yeah. many didn't go to drama school because they've got great foundations in, in the East Mids. Um, and I always say, you know, drama school isn't, isn't the only route, especially now because yeah. it, it, there's so much competition and also financially, it's sometimes incredible talent can be found around the corner. For sure, for sure. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not... And also, by the way, it's no guarantee. Do you know what I mean? Just because you go to drama school doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to <clears throat> work and have a career. You know what I mean? And as you say, the price thing—I mean, it, it means it limits the people, that, the 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 people who are who are joining the workforce. Do you know what I mean? If they can't afford to go, then they're not. It's not right to say they don't have a place in this. No, I mean everybody needs. Everybody should. Um, have the right to train in the, the chosen field, but you yeah, know, sure. uh, uh, sometimes and there's been questions and essays written and articles and interviews about this over the, the certainly the last five years. Where I remember reading one at two o'clock in the morning, like before I started this podcast, and it was all about, it was all about, ah, uh, is it only going to be the elite and the uh, a certain member of class that are allowed to train at drama school? So it's, they're the ones that can afford it. So therefore, is it coming out the other end just the same mould off a conveyor belt of yeah. the, 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 the higher class of people? And I don't think so, you know, but as you say, as we both agreed, drama school isn't the only way. And as we've touched on, Jesus, there's no guarantee. So was it drummed into you at drama school that there was no guarantee? Or were you told, I remember, be, I remember being told on graduation, a few days before graduation, they uh, said, took me into an office and gave me a sort of 30 minute rundown of my three years. And they said, The thing about you, Craig, is uh, your character, your tall character. Uh, you probably won't work 
until your forties. So just <laughs> just just bear that in mind. And I went, oh right, okay, thanks, thanks very much. <laughs> Uh, no, mine wasn't like mine wasn't like that. I mean, I suppose to was I was eighteen when I went down, and I was, which was the perfect, um, which was the perfect age really, because I think I was open enough to take in the things that I thought were useful, but I had enough um, vim to to park anything that I didn't think was useful. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think you can, some folk can lose themselves, can't they, at, at that? At drama school and that process, but I was like open enough to take the things that were useful, and I had enough sense of myself to park the stuff that I didn't find to be useful. Um, that, that's that sounds quite mature for an eighteen-year-old. So I think, I think it's I was really full of myself. I was probably just full of myself and pretending to know. See what it was. Right. Jesus, confidence goes a long way, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> and how was it for you um, leaving the safety of drama school? Because it is a safe place. You know, it's a place where we mm-hmm. are encouraged to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was very lucky, to be honest with you, mate. I was really lucky. Um, I, I, I got a job and left early. Um I had the good fortune of getting an agent and um, I got offered two jobs in the space of a week or so. And so I left um, and started working on a TV show, which never came out, I think. Um, so in within that four months or five months, um, I learned all of the stuff that I hadn't been taught at drama school about, you know, hitting your mark, um, working, for the, working with the camera, um, because of course it's like a classical training, isn't it, at drama school? Exactly. Um, and it's yeah. different now. It's different now. But back then there was no, there was very little like TV or camera stuff, which seems so silly. But they've remedied that now. So I, so then I was lucky, really. I um, did that job, and then that finished, and then I got offered something else right afterwards. So for the first year, I was busy right for the whole year, um, which was incredible, really. You know, and very, very fortunate. Um, and and rare, that, I mean that is rare, rare yeah. isn't it, to walk yeah. out. Yeah, for sure, man. So I felt really lucky about that, you know. But but to be honest, at the same time, I was I was ready for it too. I didn't. Um, I mean, my feeling was, yeah, you're right. You are encouraged to fail, but I found it very difficult to see it in that way. Um, I think because I was hungry, you know, I was just incredibly hungry to get out and start working and to and to meet new people and to try and find and build my place in it you know what I mean I was kind of I was young and I'm ambitious and and also it's it's terrifying doesn't matter if it's drummed into you that this is the place it's like in a rehearsal room you always tell look this is great let's fail now before we're in front of an audience this is the place but it's like no one wants to fall flat on the face in front of their peers at drama school It's, it's it's so much easier said than done yeah for sure for sure um it's interesting isn't it but then i think the more you do the more i don't think so interesting isn't it that the idea of failing and whatnot and success and what what it you know yeah i don't even know what success yeah do you know what i mean i was like the work itself is its own reward right i mean and i know that's kind of again like quite a trite thing to say but it's the absolute truth you know, 
you're, it's funny because you're doing your work for someone else, obviously for the audience and whatnot, but ultimately you have to be pleased with the work that you're doing and be grateful for the work, you know. I don't know, I'm just trying to get my head around it now. The more, the more I think, the more I do and the more I think about it, the work itself does have to be its own reward, I think. Yeah, know? I think so. Enumerated and sometimes you get praise and sometimes you don't. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes works lead on to something else. But ultimately, you have to put your head on the pillow overnight and be, today I did a good job. Today I did my work to the best of my ability. Whether it's acting or directing the photography, writing, whatever. You know, today I was, today I contributed, you know. And I think the more that I can spend days doing that, then the better, more fulfilled my life is, you know. Are you ever... Talking of resting your head on the pillow at night and after you've been filming as an actor or a director, are you one of those that can you can switch your head off or are you constantly going, oh, right, well, are you replaying, going, I could have, we could have done that a bit better, right? I think I could have shifted that or... You know, I'm not really, to be honest, mate. I kind of think I'm not really... I mean, for me, personally, I try and prepare as much as absolute possible um, f- for the acting work mm. and likewise for directing to have as many things prepared as possible and then I just try and go and clear my mind and be in the moment and allow allow your instinct and things to take over come what may right and I think if I've done that then it is what it is. Then I can't do any more. It's it's in somebody it's in somebody it's else's, in hands. else's hands. Yeah, it's exactly. in someone else's hands, and then I can sleep. Whereas if I've come in and I've tried to desperately fucking control everything, then when things haven't gone the way that you intend for them to go, then that's when I'm like losing sleep. But like, who's to say that my intention of the way things go on is the way things should go anyway, right? Do you know what exactly. I mean? I think I'll do my work as much as I can and then just give it to something else. I don't know what the thing is that you're giving it to. To the moment, to the team, to the people, to the story itself, I guess, right? You're allowing that to take over and surely that is the whole, the whole point. You don't want to get in front of an audience or get on set and deliver the performance that you've laboriously prepared. Do you want to prepare the ground so that you can get on and do your work and then allow it the work you know to, to do it to do itself i'm sorry that sounds really esoteric and i don't no, mean no, no. To, no, it, you know what I mean? no it doesn't because by saying that you prepare 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 so you've got the foundations to be free and yeah. to play about and ultimately to listen and to be open and to listen yeah exactly and then to give what you what everyone else has given you and what the environment has given you as well and even you know perhaps what the audience are giving you too what they the story how they want the story to be told tonight if you're on stage for example you know so all of these things are that's what makes it such a rich and worthwhile and extraordinarily exciting life the the, the, the enormous variety of it is I find so like fucking thrilling. Do you know what I mean? I do. I find it properly thrilling. Um, and then the job will be done in three months and then you'll go on and do something else with a completely different group of people, a different type of story. And you will have to use different tools within yourself in order to tell that story. So, I mean, I'm like a very happy customer. <laughs> 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 I feel very lucky, you know, long may continue. <laughs> 
John, you've said that you're you're good at switching off at the end of the day or at the end of the job and leaving it to the next group of people who who it's you know it's the editor's job to cut that things together and the director's yeah. job to choose that cut and that take and that size. How are you with auditions? Are you good at leaving an audition? And yeah, yeah. I am actually. I think yeah. I mean, again. Everything's a lesson, right? When I was in my early 20s, there was a job that I really, really wanted. Um, and this happens to everyone, right? You get down for the last two and then it doesn't go your way. Yeah. I mean, if I'm really honest about it, I suppose I had things got, I was just breaking up with a girl at the time. So I suppose I was putting too much upon trying to get this job, right? It didn't go my way and I was devastated. Uh, I mean, not devastated. I was just gutted that I didn't get the job. Yeah. Um, and so then I began to think about that and um, it was based on someone's life. And so I began to research into this person's life and began to try and think why I really wanted that quite so much. What about that story I found so appealing um, and why in a way I had allowed myself to get so I have so much desire and want for that and to be so gutted when it doesn't go your way. When actually now that I have been as as a director, part of the casting process, there are so many things which aren't, it's it's very really is to do with how brilliant or not brilliant you are, how right you are for the part. There's so many things surrounding that. However, I didn't know that then. But what I did think was, my takeaway from it was, okay, from here on in, when I go for an audition for something, I'm going to have prepared myself so much in the days and weeks leading up to it that I've already played the part in my head. So I've already got everything I need out of this from a creative point of view. I hope that when I go in for the audition or for the meeting, that the rest of the team will want us to continue this work. And I'd love to to work with them. But if it doesn't go my way, I've already played the part in my mind. I can come in, do the audition, spend that 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever, chatting about it and, and playing a few scenes. And then, okay, my work is done now. I can go on. Um, and if it, if, if it continues, then brilliant. And if not, sounds, there'll be something else next week. So I can't bear the idea of giving someone the, your power. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And And needing permission from someone to do your work. So I just always try and wrestle it back and to be honest then in terms of directing and whatnot too I, I i often think well frequently think you know it's about empowering the actor to to take their space to do their work you know and not be boxing people in um so that's oh that's always my feeling with all of those things you know because i know very rarely is it to do with you getting a job and not getting a job very rarely is it to do with as we said, you know, it's it's to do with so many yeah. things that yeah. that are beyond your control, um, and I just think it's 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 it, you're on the way for a hide, and I think if you know if you um, live in that way, you know, oh. living in a way where you're there's no sense or rhyme or reason, you have to make your own sense in within this chaotic, bonkers little world. That's for me. I know, I know, but I th- well. I think it's a very, very healthy approach to think like that, to go, I've started this. I'd l- if we want to continue this journey, 
together. Yeah. I'd love it. If we don't, well, I've kind of done it and, and I'll be a bit sad. I'm usually, I'm, I think for me, I've, as with many, many things, things have improved over time and age yeah. and, and, I, and, and experience. And now I'm quite good at not necessarily throwing it away because that sounds dismissive, but just putting it to one side mm-hmm. and, and letting it blow away of its own accord. And, and if, like you, if there's something that I, I want to, and I'm taking your turn of phrase, to continue, um, I, I might be a bit sad and a bit cranky for 24, 48 hours. Yeah. But then, you know, I blow it away and let it go. And, yeah. you know, I'm still in my gym clothes now. Go to the gym and just sort of <laughs> do something and take my mind completely off it. Yeah. It's important, isn't it, mate? Because yeah. I mean, they're coming. They're coming all the time. I do meetings for stuff and jobs that you never. <laughs> the amount of jobs that you get versus the amount that you go for is like. You know what I mean, it's sure. ridiculous and sometimes overwhelming at first. Yeah. But Sean, when did you have the thought of directing? Because many actors um, sort of you know tinker with writing, and very few are able to step up and, and and do both but that's something that you've been able to do over the, the past few years so how did it first yeah. come back because i know you started with casualty didn't you yeah so i was very lucky really mate very look well i mean i'm not going to pretend that i was one of these kids running around with a super eight camera that just wasn't me you know but i but i i was always interested in having an overview attempting at least to have an overview and not getting lost in my own small world of what my character would do or not do, you know? And I think it's themes within stories which are interesting to me. Um, The ideas that you're trying to get across, um, why stories are important, why we need them and why we keep telling them. You know, these things I've always to be honest, been interested in that. And like I say, I was interested in photography and uh, making a visual story um, before I was acting as well. So I suppose it's always been there. Yeah. Then um, when I had the good fortune of Endeavour coming my way, I thought, well, even though I only thought it was, initially I thought it was just going to be a one-off. Um, and then when they came back to do to do the first series, I thought, okay, well, I'll try and learn as much as I humanly can from this and um, and grow and use it as a school, you know, use it as a school. And, um, and so I thought it was such a rare opportunity to be in most scenes to shoot three or four 90-minute uh, films, essentially films for TV, back-to-back, and to be on hand with really great directors all day, I would be a mug not to make the most of this. So I had my little notebook with me at all times. And at each point, I would side look to the director and be like, well, this is interesting. Why are you doing that? Or, well, I'd watch them, I suppose. Watch how they related to the crew and how they related to the cast and how they told the story. And then if they, the differences that they all had, 
I would be curious about why he's doing it, why he's, how he's telling it in this way or how she is telling it in that way. Um, so I was always taking notes and observing. Um, so I did want to direct then. Um, and then I began to be a producer on the show as well. Um, and I wanted to direct, but I didn't want to, I wanted to learn me trade, to be honest. I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to get the opportunity and not know what I was doing, yeah. you know, and then therefore balls it up. Mm. And also I want, I, I, I wanted it as a separate avenue for my life as well, you know what I mean? So that I could continue my work and continue to tell stories that don't depend upon this white male being in them. Do you know what I mean? That I could actually tell stories that are beyond my, 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 um, experience and what I, what I could tell it, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So basically I got in touch with, um, Actually, funny, I forgot to like to be, but they weren't really interested in, in, in helping me at the beginning. So I got in touch with someone at the BBC um, and I just hustled, 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 hustled and spoke to a series producer called Erica who was producing Casualty. They had a mentoring scheme. Sorry, this is probably very tedious, but I'll just keep it short. No, no, um, it's brilliant. They had a mentoring scheme, uh, which means that you shadow one of the directors. I only had a small amount of time. So I said, look, if you give me an opportunity, I'll do what I can to, 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 to nail it. Um, she did a bit of due diligence. They had one episode of Casualty, which they didn't have a director for, which fitted into the time I had off. So I said, if you give me the opportunity, I'll try my best to, um, to nail it. And she did a bit of due diligence, called around, heard that my heart was in the right place and that I'm, I work hard, gave me the chance. So I went to, um, went to Cardiff and directed um, an episode, read all of the books that I could, referred back to all of my little notebooks, um, and went, and I so enjoyed it. Um, I so enjoyed it um, in a very different way from acting. Um, it's equally sort of thrilling, um, but in a very different way. You use a very different part of your your yourself which I found just so appealing, you know. Um, and then I went back and did an acting job. Came Then guys from Casualty asked me to come back and do twice as much this time. So I went and did that. And then the next year I started to um, started to um, direct Endeavour. Then. And that in itself was a huge challenge because, well, it just demands that you need to know exactly what you want before you go into it because you because time is short, obviously, because I'm in the scenes as well, you know, so you have to have a good sense of what's going to, what, 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 what I want in the frame and how things are going to be shot and dependent entirely upon the team as well. So in a, in a way it, it has become an incredible school, you know, how you can be as efficient as possible yeah, and interesting as an actor, but likewise as a director as well, you know, to like not be fannying around, but to have made, decisions and prepared the ground before you start you know um so it's been yeah it's been it's been amazing and it's something that i i mean they're both things that i really want to continue because they're they're either side of the same coin do you know what i mean um again it's another creative outlet for you yeah for sure yeah i mean you know and it's one thing 
um, going into direct episodes of something that, as an actor, you have distance from. Yeah. But to go and direct something that you yourself are the lead in the show, I mean, how are you switching your head off from from going, getting into character to getting behind the camera or... It, do you know what, mate? It was it was it was incredible to be honest with you. In terms of what it taught me about storytelling, um, for camera at least, and the economy of a gesture. You know, the economy of a gesture and a shot. What the shot is about. What what it what it what is actually required in order to tell the story, both from being within the scene, but also externally from outside the scene as well. And how much energy and time can be wasted worrying about the wrong things? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it was it's, it was incredibly illuminating in, in, in that regard. Um, and is, if it, is it driving the story forward? I'm always... And is it driving the story forward? Yeah, or are we just fanning around? Do you know you what know, I mean? Or am I decorating? And ultimately, is this going to go when I get to the edit anyway? Do you know? Like, what do we need to tell this story? And I think... It's 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 efficiency and, and and cutting away and not cutting away but drilling down really drilling down into what a scene is about and how to tell it in the most interesting and yet economical way. But back to what you actually asked me, I think um, what I've realised is that I am quite just kamikaze about things that I don't really. I mean, I suppose I do have a process, but I if there's a challenge, then I just fucking hail myself at it bodily. Um, yeah. Sean, we've talked, we've talked a lot about um, television screen and training yeah. and control and the fact that you're very good at going, well, I've done my job. It's passing it on to somebody else now, certainly with the television and the film. But with theatre, yeah. you get a chance every night. You've done your four or five, however, weeks in the rehearsal room yeah. and we've all fallen on our asses, and now it's time when the audience are here. But if it doesn't go well on a Monday for any reason, that's all right. Because I've got another chance to try something new. But what does it mean it doesn't go well? I mean, I'm thinking about this a lot lately because I, I, I think this is really interesting. I've not directed theatre. No. I've only acted in it. And it's, and so it's a completely different beast. But my, my feeling is now that that process, the acting process and the, and the performance has to take Centre stage, do you know what I mean? That has yeah. to be like that has to be again preparing the ground for things. You have to prepare the ground for that from the get-go. And my attitude towards that is like, you know, the work begins on the first day of rehearsal and it will end on the final performance. And then within those three months or however long, it will evolve. Some things will be better than others. Yeah. Um, but you have to find a way to be as inspired um, from the first day of rehearsal right through to the final performance. That's alongside your actors and alongside what the director has given you and alongside both the pros and the shortcomings of the play and the audience that night. It's such a moving, there's so many moving parts. It's, it's such an incredible thing, but you have to be prepared to do your work and have a take on this from the get-go, which will sustain you to the end. That's why when people talk about like press nights and opening nights, I'm like, Jesus, every night's first night, isn't it, for the audience down there that night? Exactly. And also, you know, you're working with your peers. 
people who you've probably not even met before on the first day of rehearsal and you want to make sure that you're bringing something to the table then and doing what you can to like inspire and astonish and dazzle your and make something interesting happen within the space do you know what i mean and i like so it's incredibly rich it just feels rich in a very different way from camera stuff is because it's it's a bit more spit and sawdust and it's it's time constraints are no longer there in the same way that they are as you're doing camera stuff and you're trying to i suppose disturb the air on a daily basis and what does that mean do you know what i'm saying what does that like how do you do that how do you do that i I don't know i don't know because you're tapping into something different there's the stamina that's needed that muscular uh, uh, you're not using that that muscle when you you have an intense three page scene. You've got this yeah. long drawn out thing, and it's not like you're switching off. And you're I remember people going, "No, but you're only on, you're only working for two hours a night." No, no, well, no, but the build up is intense because yeah. you're constantly thinking about it. And with regards to what you said about. Um, you know, things not being right. Or forget what I forget what I I forget what I actually said because I've obviously talked too much on. But sometimes I remember, and the very little stage work I've done over the years. Some nights I've gone, no, I'm not. I'm not here. I'm not present, and I'm constantly trying to get there throughout it. So therefore, that was my Monday. So I have to put that to bed now, and I've got to learn from why I feel personally things didn't go well that night to change. But it's like you said, from the first preview or even, you know, in front of an audience or even in the rehearsal room to the end, it's, it's a constant journey. And there's, there's ups and downs and you're building, building, building. So it doesn't really end. Yeah. I also think, yeah, I mean, it doesn't. And I think, I mean, look, I don't know. I'm still learning on all, all this. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, this is of it right now. Um, It's it's wild, isn't it? I mean, it, it, I do actually think it's wild because sometimes I think I know a lot and then sometimes I think I know nothing. Um, Con- well, constantly. And in a way, that's good. I'm kind of, I'm cool with that, you know what I mean? I'm cool with that. But I think, but, but what I do, well, okay, here's what I actually think. You know, there's something, how are you opening yourself up to the work and how are you opening yourself up to the audience and not trying to control and and allowing i mean what is theater like it's like the it's the seeing place right you know and if the sort of ancient religiosity of the greeks and why people went to the theater and the ritual and the there's a sort of i don't want to say spiritual element because i that's not right but there's something otherworldly about it i think and you I try to encourage myself to open myself to that. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not being really fucking suburban and boring, but actually opening yourself to a long tradition of theatre. Am I just talking shit now? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, you're not talking shit. It's really, I really interesting. I do kind of think, like, there's something, there has to be something epic about it. You know what I mean? No one wants to come and see something tedious do that you've got it it's got to be epic and huge otherwise what's the point and how do you access that 
the things that are beyond my tiny little self, my tiny little Sean Bourne, blah, 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 to, to be more, be bigger, something that's beyond you. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. <laughs> Sean, Sean Evans, you're anything but suburban and boring. Um, this has been a beautiful conversation and thank you so much for giving your, your Monday morning. morning I'm my delighted friend. to be finally managed to sort it out. Thank you so much for coming thank on. You're an absolute treat. And another episode is done. What did I tell you? Lovely, lovely man, Sean. Um, I can't wait to spend some uh, some proper time with him when we can. I really hope you like that. And as I said um, in the intro, Sean doesn't do a lot of these. So it was a real coup to get him on, and I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got a measure of the man um, that you see. Yeah, you know, obviously he's... Uh, obviously? Oh, I don't know where I'm from. Obviously, um, he's uh, he plays uh, the young uh, Endeavour Morse in Endeavour on ITV, which I believe is coming back. Um, yeah, and he's wonderful. So thank you so much for downloading and joining us. Um, what's coming up? All sorts all sorts of people and if you follow us on uh, Twitter uh, we're also on Instagram and Facebook at Two Shot Pod you may have heard yesterday that the wonderful chef uh, and outspoken man Mr Gary Usher is going to grace us with his presence once more because it's been we worked out yesterday it's been two years since that episode where I cooked for him, because I remember, uh, because it was we were just winding down for Christmas two years ago. So I'm going to try and see if he's got time to uh, to meet up. I can go around his restaurant, or he can pop around to mine, because it'd be great to do it in person before Christmas. But obviously, being in the hospitality industry, this is uh, and should be. Uh, a very busy time for him. So we'll just see if we can make that before. If not, then uh, we'll definitely have some time um, in January. It's not too long away, is it? Crikey. Well, I hope you're all well and you've popped the Christmas tree up and you're getting to grips with the present buying and the people in town. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going to go now and uh, I'll definitely see you next week. I promise. Okay. Until then, thank you so, so much for joining us. And it's really, really nice to be back. I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. You take care of yourself. I promise. I'll see you next week. All right. Okay. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers.